tonight, and I thought that that would just be uh, so appropriate um, with Thanksgiving being tomorrow. And I thought, let's just do this. So um, I put together a little short message. Um, Some of my notes come out of one of Pastor Dave's favorite books, actually, and I'll tell you the book. Um, So it's called Healing the Sick by T.L. Osborne. So who has this book? Anybody? Um, It's a wonderful book. It was one of Pastor Dave's favorite books. He read it back when he was in Princeton. And um, it forever changed his life on the course of healing ministry. It was from then on he started praying for the sick. And so he says it was the number one book in his life. And so um, I have been reading it and taking personal notes out of this book. um, And I just love it. And so he's got some truths in here that I just want to share with you tonight. Um, So, Father, we just thank you for this lesson. God, I thank you, Father, that each one of us will take away exactly what you want us to take away from this teaching, Father. Lord, I thank you, God, for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you for giving us your son. Father, I thank you, God, that we all here in this room, Father, we stand complete and whole in you by faith in your son, Jesus. And Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for grace during this season here in this church, Lord. Father, I thank you, God, for strength for Pastor Ina and for her family in the days ahead. Lord, we just thank you, God, that you're the good shepherd, and he that dwells under the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And so, Father, I thank you, God, that they're hidden there with you during this time, and I just praise you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, Amen. Amen. All right. So being thankful in the communion of the Lord, um, and I just want to share, because there's a couple contrasts with the Old Testament and with the New Testament, and so just work with me here as I go through this, and I'll explain as I go. So there is an Old Testament and a New Testament contrast when looking and understanding the communion table of the Lord, and I just want to share these first two scriptures with you, Luke 22. So this is Jesus, and he, and he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that picture for a moment? And there's the, he knew who the betrayer was sitting there with him. And he's telling them to, this is my body. This is who I am. And, but the betrayer, the devil was sitting there with him. And truly the son of man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. That's a pretty powerful scripture. Um, And then let's take a look. We're going to look a little bit at first Corinthians 11, 26. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. That's, that's pretty powerful there, too. And the next one? No, no, I'm ahead of myself. Go back, Travis. It's 11, 26, and 27. Do I have it? Okay. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And I, I thought about that word often, so I looked it up. I thought you might, be, might not know what that means. So often actually means frequently. Um, it means that um, you do it more than once. You do it always. Um, it also means many times, many times in a day. 
And so I thought that was pretty interesting because there is a teaching um, that Joseph Prince teaches, and he teaches on communion um, as taking it like a medicine. So if you take your antibiotic every 12 hours, then every 12 hours we should be taking communion. So often, frequently, many times a day. And so I thought that was pretty cool because how many take communion on a regular basis? And so he, oh, hold on one second, Virginia, I'll answer that question. The meal that heals is what he says. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, you can take it alone. No, no, you can take it alone. It's the communion. It, it, it's the communion of the Lord. And, we'll, and we'll, we'll answer those questions as we go along. We're fellowshipping with Jesus. So there's many times when I take communion all by myself. Um, you know, when I was doing this lesson, I thought about Pastor Dave. Um, because who has ever been with Pastor Dave and he's served you communion in your home? Yeah. Um, and you've gone maybe over to visit and they've, he's served you communion. Yeah. And so, um, and he has even said from, from here that it's like a medicine. It's like taking medicine. It's like take it three times a day. So often means many times a day frequently. So when he says do this often in remembrance of me, then that he's, telling, he's telling his disciples to do it often. Do it all the time. Partake of me. Drink of me. And eat of me. Okay, so therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So let's get into number one. The church at Corinth was small. And so Paul was talking to the Corinth when he was talking to them, saying, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord, he was talking to the church at Corinth. It was small, but even so, there were weak among them. That's your first answer. So there were many weak and sickly members. So it probably was a little confusing to Paul because, you know, why did he go to the church at Corinth and there were so many weak and sickly? So 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine and 30 says, For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And I think, I think for me that's key, not discerning the Lord's body. And so he was telling the church there, not discerning the Lord's body. I think... When we take communion sometimes, um, in some places it gets like a ritual to take communion. And in some places, um, if you don't belong to that church, no, 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 you can't take communion if you're visiting that church, you know. Um, they have a doctrine and they have their teaching and you can't take communion. But Jesus is telling us, do this often in remembrance of me. Um, so I think that Paul was trying to tell the, the, the church at Corinth, um, we need to think about the Lord's body. When we take communion, you know, not only examine ourselves, but to think about the price that Jesus Christ paid for you and I in his body. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself again, but I think that while we're teaching this, while, while we're talking about this tonight, keep that in your, in, in your mind, what his body must have looked like. Okay. Did you want to say something? Mm-hmm. Right. So you don't want to take it in an unworthy manner. And he's telling the disciples to um, don't take it in an unworthy manner, but consider the Lord's body when you take it. So um, and there is a lot of doctrine out there. There's a lot of crazy doctrine on communion out there. Um, but we're going to stick to this and I'm going to stick to the scripture verse, the Old Testament and contrast it with the New Testament today. So um, in contrast 
So there, there Paul was at the church of Corinth. Many were sick and many were weak, and um, there, was, there was trouble in their midst there. In contrast, there were three million in number in Egypt. No one was sick and feeble among their tribes. We can find that in Psalm 105, verse 37. And this, um, these were the children of Israel when they left from Egypt going to Canaan. Okay, so Psalm 105, verse 37, it says, He also brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribes. So not only were they all healed, but also he brought them with, without silver and gold. Okay, so um, we have two groups of people, one in the New Testament, and they lived under grace. And then we had the Old Testament under a covenant based on the blood of animals. So that's your fill in there. So New Testament under the covenant based on the blood of animals. Something was surely lacking um, under the new covenant because this covenant was bought and paid for by the blood of the lamb, Jesus Christ. Um, but something many times is still lacking. Um, and so we, I think that we need a better understanding of communion and what communion actually does for our, for our physical body every time we partake of Jesus. Every time we come together in communion, there's something that the Lord, I think, wants us to understand about communion. So here we have grace and we have the Old Testament based on the blood of animals. Um, for 400 years, the children of Israel lived as slaves in Egypt. They spent years praying to God for deliverance. And one day, God heard them. We're going to read this story in Exodus 2 and start verse 24. It says, so God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. Okay, and God used a man, this is your next, your next villain, and God used a man named Moses to deliver them. So when they cried for years and they poured their heart out before the Lord, God heard them, and one day he called Moses to lead the people out of bondage over into Canaan land. And so God used the man Moses. Exodus 3. So, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I, for I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place, the Canaanites, and here goes all the ites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the, okay, and the Heptites, and the Jebusites. Okay, so all the ites were there. <laughs> <laughs> All the ites were there. Okay. And then verse 10. <laughs> and come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. This must have been a really uh, time for Moses. Um, because imagine being Moses and then God telling Moses that you're going to go down into Egypt and you're going to deliver my people. And all the times that he went down and he would declare what God wanted, that God wanted his people free and, Mo and Pharaoh's heart became hardened time after time after time after time again. But God had a purpose for Moses and God had a purpose for the children of Israel because he had made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and with Jacob. So God used a man named Moses to deliver them. And I put here, the Lord is still delivering his people today. Many things happened as Moses set out to help the people. I mean, we had the locusts and we had the water turning to blood and we had some crazy mess going on when, Mo when, when God was trying to get Pharaoh's attention. 
The very last thing God told him was to speak to the children of Israel in Exodus 12. And we're going to read this story. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. So in that verse, there's not one person left out from the lamb. Your lamb shall be with you without blemish, like Jesus, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts of the lentil of the houses where they eat it. And then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entails. God is so specific. And when God does something for you and I, he is specific about it. Every I is dotted and every T is crossed. You shall let none of it remain until morning. And what remains of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. They're getting ready to go somewhere. Um, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. That's pretty powerful. Do I have another verse there? Is that it? That, that, that is so powerful and so precise. Um, so they applied the blood, and then they ate the flesh. So God was... Keep, well, I'm going to get ahead of myself. So number one, many overlook the eating of the lamb, which is just as important as partaking of its blood. It says in, this is not in your, in your scripture, in, in your notes, but it says in John 1, it says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's not in your notes, but eating of the lamb was just as important as partaking in the blood. And I think many times we overlook that part of it. We pray over, we pray over the bread and we know um, and we talk about the body, but the taking and partaking of the lamb and eating of the bread is just as important as the sprinkling of the blood, as, as putting the blood over the doorposts and over the lentils. So they two work together. Okay. Um, number two, the destroyer was going to go through all of Egypt and kill all the firstborn in every family. Um, and I put down here, this is a type of spiritual death, which comes to everyone that does not expect, um, accept God's covenant protection. And it says this clearly in Ezekiel 18, verse 4. It says, Behold, all the souls of mine, the souls of the Father, as well as the soul of the Son is mine, and the soul who sins shall die. And then we love the scripture in Romans six twenty three. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the destroyer was going to go through Egypt and kill all of the firstborn in the family. And what happened with the sprinkling of the blood? When the destroyer saw the blood, he, he could not go and touch that house because the blood of Jesus protected that home. How many ever just pray? the blood and we and we apply the blood right we apply it to our homes we apply it over our families um the lamb was to be killed and the blood was to be applied over the doorpost of each israelite's house 
This identified that it was God's covenant protection for them. And so how many know you and I are covered under the blood of Jesus Christ tonight? So therefore, that same protection that the Israelites had, we have now today under a better covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ. His blood was shed for you and I. Ezekiel, uh, Exodus 12, verse 13, it says, Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So the blood signified the protection of the Lord because the destroyer was coming. And if your house wasn't protected by the blood, the destroyer was coming and he was going to take you out too. The firstborn in that house was going to be killed, was going to be slain. But the blood of Jesus Christ protected that home. And it's the same way today. The blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary protects you and I from the destroyer's work of darkness in our lives, over our families, over our homes. So every time we partake of that, do this in remembrance of me. And so think about the blood on the doorpost. Think about the blood that shed down, that shed down Calvary and poured out of our body of the Lord Jesus Christ. That protects you and I from the destroyer who comes in John 10, 10 to kill, steal, and to destroy. All right. Um, so the lamb was to be killed and its blood applied to the doorposts of each Israelite's house. This identified that it was God's covenant protection for them. The next thing was that each Israelite was to eat the lamb's flesh to gain physical strength for their journey. That's your fill in. So they ate the lamb's flesh and this gave them strength for their journey. How many of their strength, their, their journey was going to be a long way and they were carrying their oxen and they were carrying their donkeys and they were carrying their children and they were walking on feet. They had sandals on their feet and they were walking and walking and not one of three million were feeble. Not one was sick. Not one bone was broken. Everyone was fine because they were protected underneath the covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were protected under the blood of Jesus. They had eaten of the lamb. They had eaten and they had partaken of the lamb. And so they were protected. This is a type, I believe, of our Christian walk with the Lord. It says in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says, it's not in your notes, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans not to harm you, but plans to give you a hope and a future. And so even now, where we are in life, God, when every time we partake of the communion and every time we partake of the lamb, the, the bread and the lamb of the Lord Jesus Christ, we partake of that, it prepares us and gives us strength for the journey ahead. Because we're on a journey where each one of us are on our own path. We're on our own destiny with the Lord. And as we partake of Jesus and do this often, do this in remembrance of him, strength for the journey you're going to have. We have the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. My strength is sufficient. It's sufficient for you and I. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And as we walk with the Lord, strength comes. So when I I take communion, I have a different kind of picture. So when I take communion now, I think about the body of Jesus and I think about what it must have looked like because there's a scripture in Isaiah 52 that says that you couldn't even look at him because he didn't even, his face and his, his, his vesture, the Bible says, was so marred that you couldn't even recognize him. He didn't even look like a son of man. He, he didn't look like anything. And so our movies and our, our, our shows don't even portray what he looked 
like when he took upon him every tumor. He took upon him every illness. He took upon him every mental illness. He took upon him every broken bone. He took upon him everything upon his body that you and I would walk free, that you and I would be protected and walk free and be prepared and strengthened for our journey ahead. So if ever the enemy comes in and, and something happens to you and, and you get that evil negative report, we must remember the protection of the Lord Jesus Christ because it's by faith that we believe and we walk and we continue to walk and we will finish this race. We will finish the plan and we will finish the journey that God has set before each one of us. And by, by partaking in communion, we'll have strength for that journey. Amen. Because we don't know what we're going to encounter. Yeah, we, we don't know what we're going to encounter in life. You know, I went through something just horrifying about five years ago. And it was like it was thrown into my family like a football out of left field. And no one expected it. We didn't know this was going to happen, but it happened. And I found myself in a place where uh, there was a moment that I wanted to question God. There, there was a moment that I wanted to say, why me? <laughs> Why my house, Lord? You know, but I quickly stopped myself and I said, I'm not going to go down that road. I'm not going to go down the road of the destroyer, but I'm going to go down the road where God has a plan and God has a future and God has a hope for me and for my family. And I'm going to choose to to refuse to lean into the enemy's schemes or into his tactics. So I just began to uh, call those things as though they're not, as though they are. And even though it looked unbearable and it looked like life could be over and it looked just crazy, and someday I'll share, it looked crazy. Um, my hope and my trust was in the Lord. And every time I took communion, I believed that I was protected and that I was well provided for. And I believed that God was at work even though I couldn't see. I knew that he was still working. And that's when that song came out was during that time. And I knew that he was still working even though I couldn't see and I couldn't understand why we had to go through such a thing. And I think sometimes we all get in that place where something happens and something's thrown out of left field. And we first thing we want to do is why, God, why? But good things and bad things happen to the just and to the unjust. Okay. But communion brings that protection for you and I. Hallelujah. Okay, so number three, the blood was a sign that said the destroyer had no authority to touch that house. And he has no authority to touch your house. So when I say your house, I mean your children's house, your grandchildren's house. I believe every place where you go, the house, the house of the Lord, everywhere you go, the destroyer has no authority, Diane, to touch your house. He has no authority to touch your family. Your nephew has no authority to touch that because we're protected under him. The blood protects you and I from the destroyer. And he wants to come. He's like a, sometimes he comes in an angel of disguise and he comes like a thief in the night. But the Bible says that the blood was a sign of, to get rid of the destroyer. So the destroyer had no authority. Number four, the eating of the lamb was for their strength and well-being in their bodies for the journey. So the eating of the lamb was for their strength and well-being. And do you know the early church was persecuted for this, for this very thing? They were persecuted, and they thought, um, the religious people in those days, I'm going back to the 3rd and the 4th century, they uh, blamed Christians, they thought Christians were uh, cannibals. 
And so they persecuted the church because they literally thought the church was going out and, and killing stuff and eating it physically and literally eating it, and they thought that they were cannibals. So they had no idea the symbolic nature of communion and partaking of the blood of the lamb and partaking of the lamb. So they were persecuted for taking communion years ago. <laughs> we come a long way since those days. <laughs> All right, so the eating of the lamb was for their strength and well-being in their bodies for the journey. And today God wants us to be strong for the plans that he has for us. Eating of the body of the lamb is a type of the body of Jesus Christ, who was slain for the whole world. The Israelites were strong in their flesh and in every part of their bodies. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had to make that journey over to Canaan land, I mean, I, I mean, today if I had to make a journey like that, I would have to partake of communion. <laughs> I would have to say, okay, Lord, I got this journey, and I'm going to have to take this communion, and I'm going to have to go. You know, I look at my daughter sometimes, and she's a runner, and so she just went in a marathon, and so she sent me a picture. This was on Sunday, early Sunday morning before church. She went on this 5K run, my daughter Tanya. Now, how she fits that into her schedule, I don't know, and she goes on this 5K run, but she faithfully takes communion all the time. So Joseph Prince is her favorite pastor, and so whenever her children get sick, whatever goes on, she she takes communion immediately. First thing we're going to do is we're going to take communion. And so she went on this 5K run, and she sends me a picture with this big old medal on her, you know. And I think that if I went on a 5K run, I'd be taking communion before I left too. <laughs> I'd be taking it because I, would, I believe in the strength and in the power of taking communion. I believe that it's something that God wants us to do often. Many times, several times a day is what it means. And so frequently, all the time. So if we're sick and if you've got to take antibiotic, take your antibiotic and take communion also. Amen. Okay. So the Israelites were strong in their flesh and in every part of their body. John 6, 53. Let's take a look at that again. So then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So the blood of Jesus and partaking in communion produces life on the inside of you. So partaking in communion gives you life. Paul states that Jesus would be made manifest in our mortal flesh. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 11. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So I believe every time we partake of him, we are literally partaking of Jesus Christ and what he, what he did for you and I. Hallelujah. By faith, that's your next fill-in, number five. By faith, we become members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Flesh of his flesh, bone of his bones. We're one body with Jesus. Ephesians 5 and verse 30. Do I have that back there, Travis? Ephesians 5.30. We'll wait. Look at your neighbor and say, we're taking communion tonight. <laughs> yes, we're taking communion tonight. Yes. Thank you, Lord. And, you know, you can use whatever kind of bread you have at your house. You know, you can, you can use it and use it as a symbolic uh, before the Lord. So, Ephesians 5, verse 30. If somebody's got a Bible, I'll read it. Or you can read it for me, Lisa. Do you got it? Okay. 
Okay, so we are members of his body and flesh of his flesh and, and bone of his bones. That's who we are. So Paul was saying that we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. So every time we partake of communion, we are his body, we are eating of his flesh and of his bones. So every part of Jesus lives symbolically on the inside of you and I. Amen? All right, so we partake of Jesus' body every single time we take communion. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 16 says the cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion of the blood is it not the communion blood of Christ the bread which we break is it not the communion of the body of Christ yes by faith we claim all the promised benefits because of Jesus body was beaten for us and he bore all of our sicknesses diseases and pain our victory is found in Isaiah 53 4 through 5 Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of his peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. And you know, when they whipped Jesus, um, there was, uh, oh, I don't know what they're called, but like little spikes that stuck out in the, in the whip that they used. So... When they whipped him, and it, the lash went across his back, and so it went across, and then he pulled it back, it brought the flesh of Jesus back with him. So think about that picture. So the blood is pouring down, and all of the lashes that he took, and so that's why he, and the thorns upon his head, and the blood that came down his face, you can imagine what his body and what his face and what his vesture must have looked like. But he shed his blood, like the blood on the doorposts of the Israelites. And he shed that blood for you and I. And the flesh was being ripped off. The bread of life was coming off, was being ripped off of him, his flesh, so that you and I would be freed from the destroyer. And so you and I would walk in complete wholeness and health for the journey that lies ahead for you and me. Every time we take communion. That's a powerful picture. It's a powerful picture. And I think T.W.T. Osborne, he was trying to get this across. And he was saying that many people in the churches today don't see it that way. They take communion out of duty or um, they take communion um, because they think that's the right thing to do. And they'll check their heart and make sure their heart is okay. But they never really focus on what it must have been like for Jesus when he suffered and when he died that way and when he was being beaten and when the, when he was being whipped and he was the blood was pouring out of him and his flesh was being torn apart. It was like the lamb. They slaughtered the lamb. And the Lord gave specific instructions on how to cook that lamb and how to eat that lamb. And so Jesus is saying in his last supper, he's saying, do this often in remembrance of me. And so I don't know if they all, they fully understood it at that point, but as we grow in the things of the Lord, I believe that communion must be a daily part of what we do. And communion in many places is the one doctrinal thing that holds the church of Jesus Christ together. So there's a lot of schisms in the church, but most churches, most churches that believe in, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ believe in the communion, and they believe in the baptism, um, and they believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again. And so we have some fundamental things that we believe in as a body of the Lord. But we, I don't think we take it often enough. So I would just encourage you in your home, when your friends gather for Thanksgiving, when you come and you sit down at the table, 
do this often and do it in remembrance of me and begin to thank the Lord for his goodness and what he's done for us because each one of us have a journey and we need to be strengthened by the Lord. Some of our journeys are new. Some of our journeys are new as we step out into the unknown. God's protection and, and, that, and take, partaking of him will protect us and strengthen us for the road that lies ahead and every obstacle that comes in our way. Amen? Okay. Yes, ma'am. They could get it shipped. It comes like in a little cup. A little, yeah, so that makes it really convenient. I've bought those and taken them with me when I go to a hospital to visit somebody. <laughs> so I'll take a pocket of communion cups with me with a little piece of bread inside, you know, so that I can go to the hospital and take communion with who's ever in the, in the hospital. And I've done that with my family, too. I've had it. And I have sent some home with my daughter, Tanya, too, at times. So, yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, and you can get those on Amazon to like little cups. All right, so... Um, Okay, so the blood kept the destroyer away. That's your next fill-in. So the blood kept the destroyer away, and today the blood of Jesus destroys all the power of the destroyer. So the blood kept the destroyer away from the homes of the Israelite, but today the blood of Jesus keeps the power of the destroyer away from all of us at all times, if you believe that way. Amen? Um, the lamb that they ate gave them strength, and there was not one feeble, is your fill-in, so there wasn't one feeble among them, all three million of them. <laughs> um, today, Jesus Christ is the very Lamb of God. He is our strength. And we give him thanks for what he has done for you and I. Hallelujah. And then uh, number six, when we consider taking communion, consider what it did in his body. He was unrecognizable. And that scripture is Isaiah 52, verse 14. Um, he was unrecognizable. Do I have that? Oh, Travis. Just as many were astonished at you, so his vicious was marred more than any man, this is Isaiah, and his form more than any sons of men. So he was completely unrecognizable. He shed his blood for our sins so that we can now be free from the power of the destroyer. You know, when Moses said yes to the call of God, he, he contracted with the people. The Lord literally contracted with the people. And he said um, in Exodus 23, verse 26, he says, I am the Lord that heals you. So the moment Moses said yes, he contracted, God contracted with the Israelites, contracted with Moses. And he said, I am the Lord that heals you. That's not in your, in your notes if you want to take that scripture down. But I am the Lord that heals you. And they believed him. They believed that he was the Lord that healed them. And so today, all the, into the 21st century, we have so much humanism and so much stuff, fundamentalism, pluralism. I could go on on the isms, and I could tell you all about them. But we have so much stuff that we forget the basics, that I am the Lord that healeth thee. You know, hallelujah. John 55 through 58 says, For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. So why would we not feed on Jesus? This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats of this bread will live forever. Hallelujah. <laughs> 
Yeah, and then 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Hallelujah. So we're going we're gonna to come and we're going to, this is a short message. We're going to come and we're going to get in a circle. And I've asked two sisters to serve us communion. And we're just going to gather up here in a circle together and we're going to take it together tonight. You know, it was, I'll share a little testimony while we're coming up. It was uh, back in the fall of 1983, and um, I was in a little tiny Assembly of God church, and um, my grandmother Brown, my mom's mom, was in front of me in the pew in front of me. I think the church held like 60 people, and um, she was in front of me, and it was all a cappella, so there was no keyboard or piano. <laughs> and um, my mom, actually, that day was leading a cappella worship. And um, they were singing, There's Power in the Blood. And so, There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. And when we got done singing that song, the whole church erupted in singing in tongues. And so did I. <laughs> All of a sudden, I started singing in tongues. And then I, I started, I was weeping. The Holy Spirit came over me so powerful during that song. And I, I reached for my mom, my grandmother. She was in front of me. And I tapped her on the shoulder because, like, I had never experienced anything like that before. Mom was on the podium singing. I grab her. She turns around and looks at me. She's got tears strolling from her face. I said, did you hear me? And she said, I heard you. And I just started to sing in tongues. I was like baptized in the Holy Spirit because the, that song, the power of the blood, just did something to me that day. Amen. And the power of the blood of Jesus Christ does something to you and I. Do this often. Drink of me and eat of my flesh. Eat of me. Okay. All right. This is years ago. Um, I think Dave and I have been married about uh, two and a half years. And um, so go to the doctor, and I had this tumor in my chest. And I was greatly disturbed about it. And, you know, going to see the doctor the following week. And then on that Sunday, we had communion. Uh, just felt the presence of the Lord on me. Started feeling around for this bubble that I had right here. And it was gone. When had the x-ray and it was gone, healed in communion. And I know that the love and the, of the Father just goes through us. You know, it penetrates every area of us because we have the DNA of his blood in us. So what is the bread of life? It is Jesus. He is our bread of life. And he said that he gave the illustration of taking the bread as like a metaphor and for them to remember and for us to remember that he is the bread of life. And he is the only one who did the sacrifice. He did the sacrifice and he's the only one. There's only one God and Jesus 
And there's only one that can satisfy God because he died for us. And so it brought our relationship back together with the Father God. Thank you, Jesus. So, Pastor Brett, Okay, so I'm talking about the blood briefly. We have a covenant with God that is sealed by the precious blood of Christ. Um, it's an everlasting covenant. The covenant is our covering. And so I just want to say, now may the God of peace the source of serenity and spiritual well-being, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood that sealed and ratified the eternal covenant, equip you with every good thing to carry out his will and strengthen you, making you complete and perfect as you ought to be, accomplishing in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, 
we just thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your willingness. We thank you, Lord, and we now together as one body partake and bless it to our bodies in Jesus' name. Amen. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for sending the Lord Jesus Christ to shed his blood to seal and ratify the eternal covenant that we have with you. And so in his name, we receive it in right now. Yes, Lord, we worship you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Glory to you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Holy, holy, holy are you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Glory to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mighty, mighty God, the Lamb of God that was slain for us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for the price that you paid. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah. So we're going to give this. We're going to turn. look at your neighbor and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Tell, tell your neighbor how thankful you are for them. <laughs> I am so thankful for you, Pastor Tim. The message was, uh, because of the body and the blood of Christ, that we are healed and we are saved. And instead of our uh, presenting each individual need for healing tonight, I want to suggest that we proclaim healing for those based on what we just did. Can I get an Amen. Okay, okay. Father, in Jesus' name, we proclaim healing over every need that's represented here tonight and every need that has been spoken or thought of. We proclaim healing tonight 
in the name of Jesus, based on your body and your blood that we have taken tonight into our bodies, and we celebrate that healing in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. 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 And now may the Lord bless you and keep you.